Welcome to the Young Talent Radio, an audio experience brought to you by Carrier Ferry. Hi, my name is Gary. I'm your host, and I work for a company called Career Ferry that helps students find their dream job and internships. So if you're looking to start an internship or graduate program, you can visit careerferry.io. The link is in the description. And next to me, I have the much better and much more talented Oli from the Hasgay Student Podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Oliver. I'm your co-host of this episode today. I run the University of St. Gallen student podcast uh, usually, and I'm really looking forward to recording this session today with you, Gary, and our very special guest, Sylvain Crianbul. He is an alumni from our university from St. Gallen. He raised funding for his startups and sold his startup, Jim Hopper, then a couple of years later. Yeah, I think he's a very successful entrepreneur. And maybe, Gary, tell us what are people going to learn by listening to this episode today? Thanks, Holly. So in this episode, we're going to discuss how you, as a student, can better understand the different career path that you have when you graduate, whether you're interested in working in a large international company or to start a graduate program or to launch your own venture or work in a startup. We will talk about all these different elements that you should look into when you're starting out your career. And, you know, Sylvan started to grow his network already at university. So he will be sharing with us the different ways and the mindset he's embraced to contribute to a professional network when he was just starting out. So sit back, relax, and get ready for an inspiring episode. All right. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, Sylvain, to this collaborative episode between the University of St. Gallen Student Podcast and the Young Talent Radio. During today's episode, we'd like to explore a few topics, including the entrepreneurial career path that students can pursue after university. So Sylvain, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today for this session. And, you know, we thought we introduced ourselves now and maybe, you know, you want to introduce yourself as well a little bit and maybe tell us something that people cannot read on LinkedIn about <laughs> you as well. Okay, sure. So first of all, thank you for the invitation. I think it's, it's great what you do to inspire students to pursue an entrepreneurial career path. I think that's certainly something that was missing back in the days. So yeah, I, I grew up in the Emmental Valley in the heart of Switzerland, very rural country studied business administration at Hanske myself, and then found my way into entrepreneurship. I uh, started Jim Hopper, a fitness app that we did right out of university. We sold that three years after starting it. And today I'm with the Swiss software company called Rentouch, where I'm the CEO. And in my free time, I also run a podcast called Swisspreneur, where we also host events and do investments in early stage startups from our community. So. That's the stuff that you would read on LinkedIn. Uh, what you probably don't read there is uh, my big passion for hitting the gym. Not only because I like that to have a good balance and uh, just to, you know, get some fresh air and not think about work, but also because I think the gym mindset helped me a lot to have the consistency and the discipline that is also required in startups or in business in, in particular. I know it's a very cliche, but... Uh, it's, it's really something that is close to my heart and that had, has added so much benefits and, and positive things to my life. Thanks a lot for this introduction. To give you a little bit of context, today we want to explore the different career paths available to students and, and graduates. On the one hand, we have large international companies offering extensive training programs and 
On the other hand, we have startups providing opportunities for students to develop valuable skills, become entrepreneurs, that is employees with the authority and the support to create a new product within the company. One other option is to get started right away and build your own venture. So in your view, since you've been in all these different positions, what factors should students consider when choosing between a graduate program or working in a startup or launching their own company straight away? One thing that always helped me a lot is thinking about my natural curiosity. So what am I constantly thinking about? Even if I don't work at this very moment, what is constantly on my mind and what keeps me busy? Where's my personal interest? And I think that is the perfect way for you because then you start to go into a space that feels effortless to you because you have a very intrinsic motivation to go down that path, but it feels like a lot of work or some heavy lifting for other people. And I think if you have this intrinsic motivation, follow your natural curiosity because it will lead to very good places. And the example there is just gym hop. You know, I loved hitting the gym back at university. So then when we were actually doing gym hopper as a student project in one of the entrepreneurship courses at the University of St. Cullen, it was actually a natural fit for me because I like to hit the gym almost every day. I was looking for a solution because I was traveling between different places. So I was looking for a solution that would allow me to train across whole Switzerland, basically, or even beyond that. So that was my natural curiosity that I followed there. And I think that's the best motivation you can have to solve your own problems and to work on something that you're passionate about. If you're talking about natural curiosity, I think after Jim Hopper or during Jim Hopper, you also joined the in-house innovation of SPB. This is the national train railway in Switzerland for all of those who dial in from abroad. Was this also your natural curiosity? There was more the, the fear of missing out, I would say. So I, I only knew startups until then, right? After university, I directly started Jim Hopper, my, my first company. And then when we were more heading towards the exit, I was basically in the position where I said, I love startups, but I don't have any experience in other fields. So I don't want to look back 20 years from now and say, oh, I, I missed this opportunity to work for a big corporate or in, in innovation or any other form. So I just wanted to give that a try. And then I started doing a one-year part-time job. It was 50% while still doing uh, Jim Hopper on the site when we were exiting the company. And that was basically then uh, the logical thing to try out for me. It was a lot of fun with the team. It was very interesting to learn. But then because I had the experience, I could then tell for myself for sure, hey, I'm better off in smaller teams, in small companies, and in a more dynamic environment than a big corporate where you have completely different possibilities and budgets, etc. But I felt the right fit for me are small companies and startups. And can you take us a bit on a journey during those days where you worked in both fields? How, you know, the days or, you know, the half days <laughs> differ that you spent there? So the, the days were pretty straightforward. You know, I had one or two days that I had fixed working days at the SPB. So, so I started there between eight and nine in the morning worked till, I don't know, five or something. In the evening, I came home. I did all the gym hopper stuff that I had to do on a daily basis. And on the other days, I was actually doing active sales for gym hopper and the other things that took more time. So it was more of a bit of a time split or time crunch to fit everything in, but there was nothing too exciting or, a, you know, a big learning or anything of that sort. I think I always enjoyed and still enjoy juggling multiple projects at the same time. And that sort of gives me more energy than it drains energy as long as it's in a, in a good and healthy balance. 
And maybe on another note, um, just because you mentioned fear of missing out, I also noted that you didn't, you know, do a master's degree. I think, I guess this was a <laughs> quite conscious decision. And this is, I think I formulated it as if, as if it was a fault, but I don't think that at all. Is there a rationale behind to not do a master's? Do you even need a master's degree in, in entrepreneurship? Sure. I mean, it always depends who you ask, right? If you ask my parents, they would still say, why don't you just go back now and do your master's degree? I think now they have accepted that I will not do that. But in the beginning, it was more of a coincidence, right? So Jim Hopper was just starting out after my bachelor's uh, degree. And then I said, okay, I'm, I might uh, just do Jim Hopper over the summer and it might not work. And then I go back to university in full which did not happen. Then I told my parents, well, maybe next year, let's see. But then also after that, I was clear, okay, it's, it's probably not going to happen. And for me, that was not like a conscious decision where I said from the beginning, I don't want to do a master's degree, but the time and the learnings, especially the learning curve at Jim Hopper was just so much more interesting and really, you know, going back to the natural curiosity, that was what I wanted to do. I learned how to do sales. I learned how to hire and also fire people, how to talk to investors. There was a lot of growth happening in that short period of time. This is the real business life. So Jim Hopper, so to speak, is what I then considered to be my master's degree because I learned so, so much. I made a ton of mistakes, but also took away a lot of things that I would do differently now. And that was especially then the, the helpful part from my perspective. You also created this association in St. Gallen that focuses on entrepreneurship to create this community of students, right? And I read that the values there were to be, you know, curious, bold, and hungry. And the question is, do you still believe these are the ingredients that are needed for to be successful? And maybe is there anything that you would add? I love it. You've done your research. Great job. <laughs> so uh, curiosity, I mean, obviously that's still a key ingredient there. You know, as you said before, your own curiosity, that is where you should go. I think bold is also something that still applies because for many people, especially a few years back, I think now it's changing a bit, but you still have this understanding in Switzerland where people tell you, why don't you get a real job? Don't start your own company it's very risky so i think you need to make a bold move to say no I, I say no to the corporate career to the corporate money and i make that move without knowing if the company will be successful and the hunger of course um you have to be hungry to close new deals to chase that employee that you want to win for your company to chase the investors and everything. So I think all of these three are still very much applicable, I would say. And and probably one thing to add is, is balance, I would say. That's also something you probably have to learn yourself or along the way, but to look for a good balance. I'm not saying to get lazy or, you know, to just say, oh, I don't want to work. I just want to have a lifestyle business. You have to work really, really hard when you build a startup. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, don't neglect to move your body. Don't neglect too much of your sleep. We all know it's, it's a marathon and not a sprint. Although it sometimes feels like you're running a marathon at the speed of a sprint. And uh, if you don't pay a lot of attention to your own well-being, you pay a big, big price in the end. Well, if I, if I compare myself to, you know, professional marathon runners, I think they're really sprinting a marathon. Right. Um, <laughs> and I guess uh, it's really about trying to, to become a marathon runner ourselves. You mentioned, you know, this balance. And I think what also one needs is, you know, to take care of relationships, right? Yeah. And get, this is maybe the ideal point for Gary to jump in. One of the points you mentioned, curiosity is something that was also mentioned by one of our previous guests, Kingsley Hakins. He was providing insights on networking for students. 
And looking back at your own experience, what advice would you give to students who are looking to build their network? I, I think you have to expose yourself, meaning you have to go out there to eventually hit a great connection or hit the right timing. For me, it's always about thinking about risks. So if you go out there and you say, I, I go to this event because this seems interesting. There are some key people that might be interesting for me. And you, don't, you never know what's coming out of that. I think you have to be out there to eventually strike gold, right? And uh, find something that is really valuable for you. I think there's a time when this is the right approach to get started, to get feedback on your business idea, et cetera. But then there's also the time once you found something that you want to focus on to really focus heavily on that and stop doing the networking part, for example, and don't go to networking events because you could be acquiring customers or building another version of your product. So I think it really depends on what stage you are, but the number one recommendation is go out there, expose yourself and good things will come from it because it's a very low risk, but has a high reward potential to be out there, to be seen, to be talking to people. Was there any time, you know, that you regretted to expose yourself, you know, somewhere something embarrassing was happening or happened? Is there anything that comes to your mind specific regarding this? Because it's always easy to say to expose yourself, right? Sure. But I always wonder, like, what do you have to lose, right? So maybe you embarrass yourself at the pitch event, or maybe the evening is boring and you don't meet anyone interesting. But even probably tomorrow, or at least the week after, you stop thinking and worrying about that. It's just like, okay, you focus on what's next. So I think the downside is really limited. Of course, I had plenty of boring evenings and also didn't do the best job I could in the presentations or the pitches. And uh, there was certainly some embarrassment included in there. But in the end, you look forward, what's next? What can you do better? How can you improve? And in the end, that doesn't really matter. When you're 60, you don't look back and think, oh, that one evening, you remember 40 years ago when I didn't nail the pitches I wanted, you will not even think about that anymore. So again, I think it's a very low risk, very low downside. Of course, it's your time, but you don't have to lose a lot, but there's a big upside potential. And that's exactly the bets that you should be focusing on. It's a bit like dating, I guess, right? There you also have to expose yourself. And if you go on a date, maybe you meet your partner for life, maybe not, but it's an evening of your time and really significantly life-changing things can come out of that. And maybe not, and that's also fine. And I think you also mentioned, you know, that one of the risks is to have to spend a boring evening. You spend plenty of boring evenings. Do you have any strategies, you know, to avoid boring evenings apart from not going to the event? Because this, as we've now worked out, is not an option. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, um, you, you can do some due diligence before you commit to something or be before you sign up to an event. And I think there it's a lot about social proof, about who are the, the speakers there, who are the other participants there to see if there's really potential value for you. For example, if you're in, in the fintech space, but the event is focused on food tech or climate tech and has nothing to do with fintech, it's probably not going to be too much of value for you in there. So do your homework and check where you see a potential value. Don't just go to any event out there or every event out there. Really do your homework and think, who do you want to meet? What, what is the profile? What are you looking for? Are you looking for talent? Are you looking for feedback? Are you looking for investors? And then see if what you're looking for is actually accomplishable in the event that you try to go to. I think that's the most important part to avoid that. And if not, feel free to walk away. If, if it's not a good fit for you, feel free to say, hey, this is a waste of my time. I leave 
in the break or even after the start because I could do something better with my time or just relax. No hard feelings. Just do that if you feel that you made a mistake with the due diligence before the event. Do you have any recommendations, you know, to go to the, to approach the people during the event? Do you usually write an email before so that, that you know, there is some, something like a hook that you can say, hey, I wrote you an email. Did you see that? Or do you just directly jump to the people and say, hey, I've seen you're doing ABC. I'm doing ABC. Maybe we can, you know, exchange um, some ideas. It often feels, at least to me, a bit creepy if you do too much homework and then you know already everything about that person. I would just approach them and say, hey, I'm Sylvan. What's your name? To just get to know each other and then ask him, oh, what, what do you actually do? Maybe you already know that because you wanted to talk to that person anyway, but just to naturally build that relationship, ask them about what they do, what is important to them, maybe something they learned, and then open the conversation and they will also ask about you, what you do, and then you see if there's a natural fit. And after the event, that will then be the right timing to follow up over email to say, hey, I really liked our conversation. We're currently looking for feedback or for investors. Here's the latest information. We'd really appreciate your input on this. Please let me know, something like that. I think it, it has to be, natural. You have to be, again, curious and, and have a genuine interest in the person and just be nice and everything will, will follow on its own. Let's look at this with a different perspective because this is something that is easy to apply when you have a lot of professional experience or you have a lot of things to bring on the table. Sometimes as a student, it can be challenging to find ways to contribute to a professional network when you're just starting out. So what tips do you have for students to add value to their network when they don't necessarily have an extensive experience or a large skill set? So there's always something that you can add. I think many people you know, who have been in business for many years. They are usually a bit older than students and they are very interested to see and, and learn more about what are the topics that you care about today? What is on your plate? What are you reading? What, what do you think about? How do you see the world? I think there you have a lot of things to add, just your own personal perspective. And the second thing is just ask questions. Um, you don't have to provide value to them. A good conversation is very often saying very little and asking a lot of questions and let the other person talk. And I think that's a very good approach too, to just learn about them and then ask follow-up questions like you guys do in a podcast because many people they just like to talk about what they do to be heard and that's a, a very natural thing if you ask them questions there's no need for you to be the rock star who can provide a tremendous value you just ask them questions and learn and that's already a, a perfect starting point for any initial conversation and how do you perceive maybe some, let's say, generational differences? You know, if you talk to someone who is much older than you, I think this is also quite a common situation for students, right? And that they're suddenly talking to someone who is 45, 50, and they might have different social conventions they'd like you to follow on, but everyone is different. Is it, again, just to be curious, to be bold? Do you have any, I guess, experience given you, you exposed yourself already as a young talent with Jim Hopper to, to these people? Sure. I think it's about being kind and, and also respectful. I think these are the two most important parts. Just again, to have a conversation, to ask them about their opinion and to always be kind and respectful. And I think that goes a long way because in the end, that's how you also build the reputation then, you know, to be a kind person, a person that other people like to do business with. And that is in the end, the most important. So here, this is really what I would focus on. Be kind and be respectful. Curiosity kindness. I think those have been the main words of the conversation that a lot of students will remember. Oli, you also wanted to bring some special type of game at the end of the episode? Yes. In the student podcast, we usually also do these kinds of story cubes. I can show them to you here in the camera. Oh, nice. Not sure. Did you already, did you see them or no, hear about yet. them already, Sylvan? So basically it's a game for kids and you would 
throw the dice and then you, you tell a story with whatever you get. My proposition today is I have brought with me three of those dices. I'll roll mm -hmm. them for you here in St. Gallen. I'll tell you what, I, what I'm getting. And then maybe you can just share some memories, share some stories, something that pops up your mind. I think you're a creative person. Let's um, see. Let's find out. Whatever, whatever <laughs> comes to your mind. Of course. It's, so I somehow have, I have two animals. That's, that's new. I have an octopus. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. I have kind of a bird. I think it's a, you say raven. I'm not even sure. Um, my English teacher would be embarrassed, but let's say it's a bird. And I have a melting pot. It looks a bit like the Zaubertrank, you know, from, from Asterix and Obelix. Nice. And maybe you, you know, you can connect all those three into one story, or you can pick one and tell one story or tell three different stories, memories, whatever comes to your mind from, you know, your life so far. Sure. Oh, that, it's difficult, but let's just try it. I think the octopus is the easiest to start with. For me, that's like, you have many, you know, we would say many different hats, but the octopus, many different tentacles, I guess. So having multiple projects at the same time that sort of benefit each other, where you learn, where you grow, where you have fun. I think that's sort of what I see in there. And for me, I, I always had like Swisspreneur and Rentouch, for example, both in parallel together, because it's really helpful for me to say, what are the operational challenges at Rentouch? I can ask our podcast guests and then come back with that knowledge or the knowledge from the community and uh, basically implement that, learn and come back with new questions. So that has always been multiple things at the same time, a good setup for me. Not too many, but some multi projects is, is a good setup for me personally. Then the bird, you said it's a raven. This is a bit a lame sort of story, I guess, but my last name, Krenbühl, is a bit like the bird on the hill. So uh, that would sort of be uh, the lame story here. Um, but in general, I like flying a lot. I like to go paragliding or just to be up in the air. That's sort of uh, the flying is really a power source for me. And the last part was the pot. For me, when, when you think about the Zaubertrank, you know, from Asterix and Obelix, it's a bit like uh, protein shakes are that for me. This sounds super weird, but I, I ate a lot of sweets a few years back when I was at university. I remember the first half year, the assessment year, our nutrition, our shared apartment was regular Coke, a lot of chips and Maltesers and M&Ms. So really, really unhealthy. And uh, basically, once I then realized that if you are craving sweets or any form, you're still hungry, it's because your protein hunger has not been fed yet. So if you increase your protein intake, that can be through protein shakes or whatever you want to do, non-animal sources of protein, whatever works for you, then you can basically, you stop craving sweets automatically because your body is fed and you don't have this craving for half a bar of chocolate after dinner. That was a game changer for me because it's so simple, but I feel that many people don't think about it that way or don't know that. So uh, increasing protein consumption was a, a great way to improve my life. I think it helped you, right, to also rebalance maybe a bit. I think in the beginning you said the balance is so important to you. And I think also maybe the balance of all your projects is maybe a, another kind of balance that you're looking for. Is there anything else, you know, that you'd like to tell our listeners about how to balance all these projects in a healthy way? Is there sometimes, you know, you say stop to something or was there any occasion where you had to say it's enough, I need a break? Many times. Yeah, yeah, many times. You know, sometimes that's a bit my natural personality. 
like new things. I like to build or work on new things. And then of course I found myself multiple times over and over again, where I was doing too much at the same time. And then that gets too much and you don't have a focus and a good output anymore. So then I have to reassess. And I think there it's, it's also very much again about your, your curiosity, your energy level, you, you know, you feel what you enjoy doing and what you don't enjoy doing. We all have that writing a diary or talking to a therapist, all of that stuff helps you to build this self-reflection and to really better understand yourself and then focus on the things that you're good at and that you enjoy doing. And I think like one more part that has been a bit of a learning over the past years, don't focus on the money, but focus on having fun along the process and the money will eventually follow on its own. I think these things are so powerful that if you have fun, if you enjoy what you're doing and you're good at it, you can do anything and you'll actually get paid for that in the end. Thank you so much, Oli, for those questions. I think they've been a very deep and very insightful. Thank you so much, Sylvain, for the answer. It's been very inspiring. For everybody who wants to connect with Sylvain, we're dropping his LinkedIn in the description. Perhaps last questions. If, if students want to work with you, are you hiring at the moment always. somewhere? Everyone is always hiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you know, we're looking for uh, engineers, for developers, for salespeople, and also for people um, at Swisspinner to support us with our activities there. So if you like anything that we do, um, just reach out and happy to have a chat. Excellent. Thank you so much. Have a good one, everybody. Speak to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. If you enjoyed that episode, it will mean the world to us if you could leave us a review and share it with your friends on social media. Thanks a lot. This audio experience was brought to you by Carrie Ferry.